guys, what's up? I'm Morgan, and I'm just so grateful to be able to be out here today and have this opportunity. Thank y'all so much for coming out, for my friends and my family, and for my FCA team. Y'all are just so amazing, and I love y'all all so dearly. Thank you for your encouragement. So grateful for each and every one of y'all. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, there's one thing that really sticks out is that I'm super clumsy. Like, I fall all the time. Like, ask anyone on my softball team, it happens at least once a week. Like, it's constantly throughout practice. If I don't go a week without falling, it's pretty much a miracle. And so there's a couple instances in my life where I've fallen and gotten actually seriously hurt from these. And my first time or that I've been injured was probably when I was about five years old. I was camping with my family, and I went to go get something from the tent, and I came back and tripped over a stick or something and face planted into a picnic table, just boom. And my two front teeth got knocked out, broke, they turned black, it was a whole ordeal, but I ended up being fine. Another time was when I was probably late elementary, early middle, and I was learning how to catch a softball for the first time. And so when you catch a softball, there's forehand and there's backhand. And I really struggled with backhand for a long time. And so my mom was trying to teach me how to catch it backhand. And to help me out, she said, why don't you just go ahead and start with your glove on your backhand? And so I trusted her, so I did. But then when she threw it at my face, I just knew it was going to come to the glove, and it didn't. And it ended up hitting me in the face, and I just, I had a bloody nose. I was screaming, and I was really upset. And I asked, my mom comes up to me, and she's like, Morgan, why didn't you move your glove? And I was like, you told me that you were going to hit it to my glove, and I trusted you. And she's like, well, if it's coming at your face, you've got to defend yourself. And I just, I think that's where my trust issues lie from now on. And, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Mom. And my <laughs> last time, I broken a couple, I've tore a couple of ligaments, muscle things, and I <laughs> tore, broke my kneecap a couple of times. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I had just torn my, menis my ACL, MCL meniscus for the second time, and I was walking into school. I just broke my kneecap the month before, and I was walking in my cowgirl boots, you know, normal, normal day things, and you'd think I would learn my lesson but I didn't, and I slipped and fell, and I ended up face planting a cop car, and the bad part was the police officer was in the car, and so then she comes and she runs after me to try to, I thought I was being arrested, so I didn't know at that point, because I had just vandalized her car, you know, with my head, and <laughs> so I try to get away, and I go to step on my knee, and it just, I just, it, there was nothing there, so I face plant again, and <laughs> she then picks me up off the ground and puts me on her car. And I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This is when I go to jail. I was expecting this all my life. I knew it was going to happen. Just kidding. I'm not like that. And <laughs> but then she looks me in the face and she grabs my face and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, okay. Whew, I'm not getting arrested this time. So it'll be all right. <laughs> and so <laughs> she puts me and she asks me if I'm okay. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fine. You know, I actually feel better. There's not really any tension on my knee right now. So I go to take another step and just face plan again. And at this point, my entire senior class is around me. And it was really embarrassing. And they went to go get this school nurse. But we don't have a nurse, so they got the biology teacher because that was the closest thing. And when they got him, <laughs> they get around in this circle. And I was like, it's really hot. And then I just vomit everywhere in front of everybody. So <laughs> not only 
was I really broken physically that day. I was also broken very emotionally because my ego was just completely scarred and shredded from that point on. And so I say all this because it does have to do with my message. We're going to be talking about brokenness today. And in that point, I was broken both physically, emotionally, all the things at that point in my life. And I think if you turn with me to Luke 5, verse 12, we're going to talk about someone who also went through not the same situation, but kind of felt how I felt in that moment. Because at that moment, I was just at a place where I had been through injury after injury after injury, and I was just broken, and I was hurt, and I didn't know where else to go. And so I would turn to relationships or to other things, but I never turned to my father. And I think that this guy in this passage is also going through a similar situation that I related to at this time. And so Luke 5, 12 through 14 says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So a little bit of backstory is Jesus is healing people at this time, and there's this guy, and he has leprosy. And leprosy during this time was basically a sentence to death. And you were ostracized from community, you were alone, you were in a desperate place. And during this time, there were two types of leprosy. There was one that was just like a little bit of, not a little bit, it was pretty major, but a skin disease, and it just spread across your body, and there was no cure for it. But there was another type of it that slowly ate away at your bones and your ligaments until you had them no more, slowly killing you. And this guy, he comes to this place where he's at this point where he's slowly dying, and he has nothing else left to give. He's been ostracized from community. Nobody wants him. He's had to leave his family. In the Old Testament, it talks about how people with leprosy were placed in these communities with other lepers and people who were limb who were looked at as different during this time. And so they were ostracized from community. They had no one. They were alone, lonely in life. I mean, think about it. You're at this point in your life and you get this disease. You wake up with this spot on you one day, and then all of a sudden you're just cut out from society. You have no one. You have no family. You have no friends. You have no relationships anymore. Your kids aren't your kids anymore because you can't ever see them. You're just cut out, and you're slowly waiting on your death. And this is where this guy was at during this time. He was slowly waiting to die. And what's significant is he goes to Jesus because he realizes he has nothing else left. And what's even more significant during this time was that Jesus was considered to come and take over Israel and win them back and be this great king and ruler. And the religious leaders at this time hated, not hated, but they looked down on people with leprosy. And they cast them aside and they mocked them because they considered it the sin disease. Because this meant in the Old Testament, a lot of times when people would disobey God, sometimes God would strike them with leprosy. So they thought this was the case for every person. And so they thought this man had did some, done something wrong, and that was the reason why he was sick. So not only are you cast out from community, you're cast aside from everybody. They also say that it's your fault, that you didn't just have bad luck. This happened to you because of your sin. And everybody mocked you and made fun of you. And then he goes to Jesus, the most religious leader of them all, 
and he bows at his feet, and he says he falls on his face. And during this time, falling on your face was a represented worship of a deity, which means one God. So not only does he go to God, even though it might mean he might be mocked and he might be ridiculed and people might look at him differently, he still goes to God. And he falls at his face and he acknowledges that he's the true Savior and that he's the Lord of his life and that he is the only one that can heal him. And you see, I was at this place where I was in desperation. I felt like I had nothing because I had made softball my entire life. And I had depended on my sport to get me through and to build those relationships. And when I didn't have softball, I turned to other things instead of turning to God. And then when that was taken away from me, I felt like I had nothing else. Until I had to acknowledge that God was the one God and he was Lord over my life. And it was in that moment that I felt peace and understanding and I was grateful for the circumstances that had gone on because I knew that when I surrendered my brokenness to God, then he has it completely. And what also is super significant about this passage is that when Jesus heals him, he touches him. I mean, he had leprosy. This disease that if you got close to them, it would spread and it could go to the people. So people had to stay at least six feet apart from this person, kind of like COVID, you know? And so, <laughs> but Jesus touches him knowing that, I mean, he does, he's not going to get sick because he's Jesus, but Knowing that how people would look at him, he touches him. And this shows how much he cared. Like Jesus cares about us. Do y'all realize that? The creator of the universe sat down and he touched a guy who was ridiculed and mocked and probably hadn't had touch in probably months, years. It doesn't say how long he's had leprosy. But he touches him. Why does he do that? To show that he cares. Jesus cares for you and he wants to take your brokenness and he wants to just pay that sin for you. And to do that, you have to acknowledge him and you have to believe in him. Because when you do that, he'll take your brokenness and he'll make it something beautiful. And you see, a lot of us today are in this same place where we've been struggling and we have this brokenness. And we had something go on in our life and we never surrendered it to God. You see, we held on to it for so long and just went to other things like drugs or we went to alcohol or we went to sex or we went to relationships. But the sad part is... Those are things, except for the relationships, those are people. But those are things. And God, and things are non-existent. But God is existent. God is life. God is the creator of life. So we're going to things that can't give us life. Because they're not the creator of life. Only the creator of life can give us life. And then a lot of times, we go to people to fix our problems. When people can't fix our problems because people aren't God. People are imperfect. They're sinful. They're blameless, they're without, they're, they have messed up. And so we can't go to them because they'll fail us every time. Yes, community is great and community is awesome, but in the end, they can't carry our burdens for us, only God can. And I think that this is what a lot of us do. We go to people to carry our burdens instead of going to God. And some of us need to make that right relationship with God where we surrender our hurt to him and our brokenness, and he'll heal you from it and he'll make it beautiful. There's another passage in scripture that I like, and it's in 2 Chronicles 33. And it tells about this guy, and his name is Manasseh. And he's the king of Judah during this time. Judah and Israel are split. And they're in a war, and Manasseh's evil. I mean, he worships 
other gods and he's over witchcraft. He's trying to get witchcraft into the country of Israel, or Judah, sorry. And so God, he says God goes to him and he denies God. He denies God, but still God chases after him and allows him to be kidnapped by the king of Assyria. And if y'all know anything about Assyria, Assyria during this time was the country or, you know, whatever, that would go and they were pros at torturing people. Like they would literally rip people to sh- apart. And it says that they captured him with hooks and held him with hooks. And it was in this place where he was in this jail, this place of desolation, being held by hooks that he cried out to God and God answered him. I mean, this evil, wicked king who had completely turned God's nation astray, God still wants him. Like, God still wants y'all today if you don't have him. And even if you have brokenness and you are saved, he still wants that brokenness. And there's another person in this passage that we can also relate to, and these are the Pharisees. In Luke 5, 17 through 25, I'm going to read it to us. It says, now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching that there are Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal him. I'm going to skip down a little bit to verse 21. It says, and the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so during this, a little bit of backstory from the in-between is when there's a paralyzed man and his friends are bringing him to Jesus. And we'll go into that a little bit farther down the road. But these Pharisees are like, Jesus can't, this guy can't forgive sins. Only Jesus can forgive sins. And y'all know what's sad? They say that Jesus is speaking blasphemies. When this is, strikes me so obvious because Jesus is standing right in front of them. And yet they don't even recognize him. I mean, the person that they had studied their whole life. They had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, to able to be a prophecy, or a prophecy, a Pharisee. They were the most religious leaders of this time, and yet they didn't recognize the Lord and Savior when he was standing right in front of them. I mean, they had to memorize over 300 prophecies and still didn't recognize God when he had come down to earth. I mean, how many of us do that? We're caught in our religious circles, and we're caught in our pride, and sometimes our judgment of others that we don't even recognize Jesus when he's standing right in front of us. I mean, so often, I mean, that even happens to me, you know? And sometimes we are just too busy judging people to be able to realize that we have that same struggle, that we're also going through brokenness. And sometimes our pride in our life and thinking that we're better than somebody else, pride is there because of an insecurity we have from brokenness that we haven't made right with God. And so some of us need to make that right with God today. Another thing is that we are the most in debt, we are the most in debt country, the most depressed, medicated society today. And a lot of that's because we haven't given it to God. And the sad part is we judge these people when we're just one mistake away from being them. Like, we haven't realized our brokenness enough to be able to realize that we were them. And we think that we know God. Or we know God, but we're not living like him. And so how do you get out of this? You see, the way that you get out of this is by realizing other people's hurts 
and by using the hurts that you've been in order to glorify God. You see, there's this glow stick I have. And the significance about a glow stick is that it broke a little bit, forgive me. But it has to be broken. to shine the brightest for God. And that's kind of like us. We have to go through brokenness, which is a recognizing reality of a broken condition, understanding that there's no wholeness except the door that is marked Jesus. And some of us have to go through this in order to realize that we can use our brokenness to shine the brightest for God. And glow sticks shine the brightest in dark places. You know, in this sinful world that is in need of a savior, our light for Jesus is going to shine the brightest because we've been broken. And I think that's just such a great analogy. and It's just super amazing that God does that with us. And it says in Isaiah 53, 5, that we are made whole because he was broken. Like, do you all get that? We're made whole because he was broken, even though we're sinful and we betrayed God, the Lord of creation. He makes us whole because he went to a cross and died for us. Like, who does that? Who dies for someone who is undeserved? And I think there's another passage in Scripture that also relates to this, and it's also in Second Chronicles 16. And it talks about this guy whose name is Asa. And Asa is the king of Judah also at this time. And Israel and Judah are split, and Israel is at war with Judah. And Israel goes and they decide to cut off all of their supply, their supply route to Judah. That way they can't get food, they can't get water, and they're starving them from the inside out. And Asa was really close to God, and he relied on God his whole life, and he made this covenant with God, but instead of turning to God this situation, it says that he turned to the king of Syria, which was Ben-Hadad at this time, and Ben-Hadad comes and he rescues them and, you know, wins the war, and they end up getting food and supplies, but God's mad at Asa. After this victory, God's mad at him. Why is God mad at him? Because he didn't go to God with his problems. And it says that God says to him, you relied on men instead of relying on me. And how many of us are doing that today? We're relying on men instead of relying on God. Like that's so, we have these communities and communities are great. But when we go and we only use our communities to get closer to God and not going to the word of God to get closer to God, it's not going to bring us to God. And so some of us are doing that, and some of us need to be broken and to go through brokenness in order to be able to be right with God and be close with him. Because brokenness brings God glory. Because our brokenness we can use to relate to other people who are broken and haven't been healed from it yet. And so that's what the final part is about. And if you look with me at Luke 5, verses 17 through 25, I think. Or we're going to go down to 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tilling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven, have forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered them and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose before them, took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. So not only do we see the paralyzed man who's being brought to Jesus, his friends go and they get on top of this house because there's, the house is so crowded and they dig through the roof to get him to Jesus because they want their friend to be saved and to be healed so bad. And Jesus realizes this and he forgives their sins and he heals the man. We should be those friends, guys. Like, we should be the people bringing broken people to Jesus. But yet we're not. You know, instead we sit and we judge them and we don't love them, we don't bring them to Jesus. And I'd like to tell y'all a story. This summer I worked at a camp. And this camp was for kids who had been going through deep hurts in their life and deep struggles. And the name of this camp was Victory Junction. And at Victory Junction, we did this thing called wish sticks. And at the end of every week, these kids would write on the wish sticks their wishes. And, these, and at the end of the summer, we all got together and we read these wishes out loud. And you know it was so... It was heartbreaking, but it was also sweet. I'll tell you that in a minute. But <laughs> some of these wishes on these sticks would say stuff like, I wish that I could walk or I wish that I could talk. I wish I could have friends. I wish I could have my family not being divorced. I wish that people loved me. I wish my siblings cared about me. Like just broken, heart-wrenching things. I wish my mom didn't have to die. And it breaks your heart, and all of us are crying. But then occasionally in there, we'd get a stick that would say something like, I wish that I never had to leave camp. Or I wish that I could have friends at camp like I have here. Or I wish I could have friends outside of camp that I have at camp. And I wish that I could take camp with me everywhere I went. I wish I never had to leave. Why? Why do these kids love camp so much? And our camp director would tell us that the same dirt at our camp was the same dirt at Disney World, at everywhere else, that the dirt didn't make the place special. You know what made the camp special? The people. You see, we are the people of Christ, and we have this opportunity to go heal a broken world and make them feel special. But yet we don't do it. And the way that we made them feel special was we related to them about their brokenness. And some of us today need to get right with God about our brokenness, and we need to realize our brokenness. And not only do we need to come to Christ, we also need to go to others. And we need to help them with their brokenness, and we need to bring them to Jesus. Because only Jesus can heal our pain and our hurt. Only God can do that. Finally, I have this picture, and it's of this Japanese tradition, and it's called, I'm probably going to butcher this, so please forgive me, Kanitsuji. <laughs> probably said that completely wrong. And basically what this is, is it is a Japanese art of putting broken pieces of pottery back together with gold. So what happens is, usually when you break something, you throw it away. It's garbage, it's trash. But in Japanese culture, they take this and they make this thing that's been broken and they overlay the brokenness 
with gold and they make it more beautiful and more valuable that way. And it, because of that, its value and its price goes up and it's priceless. Do y'all understand the analogy here? Like we are broken people, all messed up and in need of a savior, but God who is perfect, gold, which is without, which is pure. And Jesus who is pure, who had to go through fire, which gold has to go through fire. He went through the cross in order to make us beautiful in our brokenness. Like, how awesome is that, guys? That we're made beautiful because of our broken pieces. Like, look at this. So amazing that the creator of the world died for us and rose again so that we could be healed from something that should have been thrown away. And that's salvation. And you know what else is unique about this? is they call the gold in whatever the gold that traces, they call it scars. We all have scars, guys. We all have things in our life that didn't go the way we planned. I mean, I got tons of them. I got a big, long one. And you see, but scars are beautiful because scars are stories, and scars are stories of God's goodness. And so some of us, you need to show your scars and you need to tell people your story because it's God's goodness. And some of you have scars that aren't healed yet. And you need to pray so that your scars can be healed and you can use them for God's glory. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're in this point of brokenness, then I invite you to have a relationship with God because he will heal you from any pain that you've ever had. And that doesn't mean that it's just going to go away because there's still going to be hardships in your life. After I broke my knee, I got a knee infection. I had some issues with my kidneys. I've had a lot of other things happen. But the difference is I had a Savior to walk through it with me. I had God to be there with me and walk right beside me. I didn't do it alone, and now I can use that to glorify Him even more. And some of y'all need to tell your stories of your scars. And so I'd like to end with this. What do you have in your life that you haven't given to God? What brokenness are you holding on to? And if you are holding on to that brokenness, are you using it for God's glory? And what are you going to do with your brokenness to lead others closer to him? Let me pray for y'all. Dear God, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity. I hope that you'll just help us to realize the beauty of our brokenness and how you mend us back together, God, and you make us beautiful. And because of that, we can be a light for you to everyone we encounter. How great and how awesome and how good you are, God. And I pray and I'm so thankful for the cross and how you bore and you were broken for us so that we could be made whole. And I pray that if there's someone in this room, God, that doesn't know you, that they'll come to the right relationship with you, God, today, and they'll believe in you, and they'll surrender their struggles and their pain to you, God. And I pray that if there are some of us that aren't using our brokenness to glorify you, that you will just help us to realize that and use it for you more often, God. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for all of these people and how special they are to you, God, and how you have an amazing plan for their life. And I pray that you'll just use them in great and mighty ways to impact the world.
that you'll set us on fire for you. And help us to have a great rest of the day.